Well, we've come to praise him. That's why we're here tonight, to magnify the Lord. And we're so happy that you're here tonight. If you have your Bibles, why don't you stand with us and let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to be talking tonight for just a few moments about the importance of commitment at this time of year. And we're going to be talking about New, New Year's resolutions for s saints that are hungry for revival. Now, we're not going to look at a, num a lot of things, so don't get nervous. I am only uh, going to look at a few tonight, but I want to talk sincerely about them. So let's pray and ask the Lord tonight to anoint his word to our hearts. Could we do that right now? Father, we thank you for every saint that's here. Thank you for the sweet presence of God. And Lord, we praise you for Apostolic Tabernacle. We ask tonight that you'll anoint the preacher, Lord, and let your presence be in every word. And we'll lift our hearts and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And God bless you as you're seated. Now we're going to look uh, at Second. Uh, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Uh, we'll hold off reading it. I want to uh, look at a resolution number one. And uh, I'm going to see if these two are in sync. Resolution number one. We have a new screen back here, and it's wonderful. And we were some uh, question of this would be one slide, that's another. But they have perfected this, and uh, I can feel the the blessings of the Lord, just looking back there and seeing it. So resolution number one, everybody say number one, is to make an unwavering commitment to holiness. Now, many people don't start with holiness. They start with other things, and there's reasons, and technically there are a lot of things that we could have said, but <clears throat> I believe uh, sincerely that the number one and most important commitment that the church can make is the commitment to being like God. Everybody say praise the Lord. That we are to be like God and we are not like him if we are unholy. In fact, this is one of the troubles right now with the world and certainly with the American religious system and the American church is that it is often attempting to be religious without any connection to righteousness and to holiness. But how many knows that you cannot please God if you're not holy? You must be a holy people. And so the number one commitment that we are asking this year for the church to make is a commitment to holiness. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to uh, snub everybody that doesn't agree with us and that we're going to walk around in, like, like we're just in a cocoon. And I'm not in a cocoon. Anybody here in a cocoon? If you are, you, I hope you can breathe in there. We're not walking around, but neither am I going to live ungodly just because the world is ungodly. I'm not going to bring it into my home. I'm not going to let it be a part of my life. I'm going to make a commitment to holiness. So the word commitment is really another way of speaking about a resolution, to be resolute, to be committed, to be determined. And so unwavering commitment to me means that we are not going to allow the world to dictate what is right and what is holy to the church. And, of course, they want to. They say the Supreme Court can tell us what is holy. But I want to tell you something. The Supreme Court is not the Supreme Court. 
There is a Supreme Court. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, so let's go to uh, a couple of points here that I want to make before we read in Corinthians. We're looking here at number one, our first commitment to God. Everyone say first. Above talking in tongues, above running the aisles, all the other things we could think of that are marvelous. The very first commitment to God. And therefore, our top priority is holiness. It is our desire. It's what we long for. We desire to be holy. Does anybody want to be holy here tonight? We want to please God. And so we're speaking of inward and outward holiness. Uh, of course, if you have outward holiness, it's not inward, then you're a Pharisee and you're a fake. If you have inward supposed holiness and do not show outward holiness, then no one has any way to gauge whether that's holiness or not. It's, it's only by the fact that you can see what's happening on the inside. You know, if you, you know I, I, I enjoy coffee once in a while, but I want it to taste like coffee. What if I went and Folgers started saying, of course, there's only one kind of coffee. No, I'm just kidding. If, if, they, if they started selling Folgers and it tasted like water, I would start getting suspicious. And people said, well, that, that's, that's actually coffee, it's, but it has no taste. I'd write Folgers and say, you know, Folgers used to taste like uh, uh, whatever <laughs> it tastes like. And uh, Mountain Grown or whatever. And uh, good to the last drop. Is that, have I got the right coffee? <laughs> Praise God. But it tastes like water, then I would assume it's water. So it is that our commitment to holiness is both inward and outward. And it's not optional, nor is it secondary. It's not something that's secondary to revival. I believe when we get holiness in order, we will have revival. Revival will flow in the midst of his people when we love holiness. Because listen, when you love holiness, you love repentance. When you love holiness, you love righteousness. When you love holiness, you love correction. When you love holiness, you love his presence. That's what holiness is. It's being able to stand in the presence of a holy God and to listen to what he says. When I hear people say, I don't care what the Bible says, and, and here's what you're hearing a lot of these days, especially in the American church, is all this stuff is just cultural. Doesn't matter what it says about uh, what I do and how I dress and how I look. That's just cultural. I said 20 years ago, if they keep talking like this, we will be saying that homosexuality is not a thing in the world wrong with that either because it's cultural. But none of these moral issues are cultural. They are holiness issues. And we have to stand before God. They are not secondary. And if we will stand holy before God, revival will flow in our midst. Holiness is absolutely central to the advancement of truth. And it is vital to a host-filled life. You want to know why people are unhappy? Now, I know people are telling you they're happy drinking all that booze. Man, they just love getting out there in the street. They can't hold their, their, their dinner because they've had so much booze they can barely walk. And they're, get, they're on their sixth marriage and they, and they don't know whether they're a man or a woman and they don't know which bathroom to walk into. They're telling you they're happy, but I tell you, sin does not bring happiness. It is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Hallelujah. 
Someone said, what are you trying to say? You're perfect. No, no, I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. I'm trying to say I love holiness. I want to please God in all that I do. Praise God. And I only know how to please God by being obedient to what he said. So if he says something, I'm obedient to it, then I can say, well, I was obedient to that. Praise God. And I know I've got enough sense to know lots of folks around me that claim they're Christian, love the Lord, but they don't love holiness. Then they and you begin to speak to them. They say, well, here's the reason I don't I, I, I do all I curse like that because I think so and so. And then they start giving their explanation for why they're doing it. And I say, oh, I see those. I get it. You, you're cursing like that because that's a movie star. And they started doing it. And then, man, they were super macho. Man, they were a co- commando army guy. And he cursed. So you curse. And now your kids curse and everybody curses. And so that just makes it just fine. But the reason I don't curse is because Jesus said that there was to be no guile found. And we were not to be a people whose language and communication was full of violence. So I try to do how Je- I try to live like Jesus lived. I want to live holy. And the best example of holiness that I have is Jesus himself. Would Jesus speak like that? Well, if not, I think I'm going to try to work on not speaking. I'm going to try to get my life in order. And that's the joy and the vitality of a Holy Ghost-filled life. Can we just lift our hands and thank God for the Holy Ghost tonight? Father, thank you for Don't let us take for granted the joy of the Holy Ghost. Number two, spirituality and character are shaped by holiness. If you are not living a life of discipline, which is another way to speak of holiness, I want to be careful here. Someone can be disciplined and they could, you know, have their belt just the right way. That doesn't mean it's holiness. But there is such a thing as a spiritual discipline. So I'm able to, you know, some people think they're holy. Now listen to me. They think they're holy because of maybe certain choices they make or the way they live in a certain way. But they never pray. Holiness should be shaping your lifestyle. So having a lifestyle of holiness means it affects your behavior. It affects the way you treat people. For example, I have people say, I'm holiness, and then they treat their wife like uh, uh, not very well. I'm trying to be very careful because it's the end of the year, and I want to be very I want to go out this year being very nice about it. Okay, so uh, the way I treat other people, it is is holiness that is impacting the way I love and treat other people. For example, they say something, and you want to say something back, and and it's it's the holiness of God in you that says, wait a minute, I I shouldn't respond to just just go ahead. You know, remember when Jesus said if they they, smite you on the one cheek? Anybody remember that? Okay, some of you don't remember that, but that's in the Bible. That when they, when they come against you, then suddenly you react in a way that's like Christ. You don't act like a demon. Listen, if you're acting like a demon, you need to be very concerned. You need to act like, <laughs> hallelujah. Okay, all right, I, I can tell. You want me to go on? All right, so it shapes our character. Holiness, in fact, shapes everything about us. And that's why when America put it on the back burner and said, holiness doesn't matter. Do anything you want to do. Any way you watch anything you want. Do anything you want. They sold their soul to the devil because it shapes their very character. And then they wonder why our politics are an absolute mess and why our young people are making choices that's killing them. You say, why do people take meth and eat their teeth out and destroy their brain? These are choices that are affected by a lack of holiness in our world. 
Yes, it is. It started when they said a baby doesn't matter. You can kill an unborn baby because it doesn't matter. Holiness shapes our character. Praise God. Praise God. If you are not committed to holiness, you will find yourself slipping away from it. You must commit yourself to holiness. You must say, Lord, there's times that I'm tempted, but I don't want to lose my grip on holiness. Praise God. If it's in your closet and it shouldn't be there, you should burn it. You need to get rid of it. You don't need to keep it around. Someone said, I'm keeping that around so that it show the devil. You, you show the devil how you can burn it. Don't you hang. I, I'm keeping that in that closet because no, 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 no. Someone said, well, that cost me a lot of money, all that, all those drugs. It's the guy I'm thinking of. All those drugs, that really cost me that. You need to burn it. You need to flush it down the, uh, whatever you flush things down. You need to make sure that that gets out of your life. You need to get away from it. You need to run from it like Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife. Amen. Get committed to holiness. Don't let it ever be said that you've lost your commitment to holiness. Resolve to live, dress, and be holy. Whether anyone sees it or not, whether it's out front or not, holiness is your commitment to God, not to man. God expects you to live holy. He's watching to see he knows someone said, yes, but I'm not perfect. Of course you're not. Folks, when did it ever say in the Bible, only perfect people could live holy? Because there are no perfect people. There are no people in this world that go around and they're God. They're God themselves. Hey, folks, I'm living this way because this is the way God wants me to live. He wants me to live righteously and obediently to him. It's just like loving your parents. Uh, if you love God, you treat him a certain way. If you, you, someone said, well, I love my parents, but of course I slapped my mother down the other day. Well, folks, that, that's, you just said two contradictory things. Now, I, I'm, some of you, I'm, uh, say you love God, but look how you're living. Now, number three, outward holiness includes what we will refer to here as biblical standards. And the more I hear people saying, you can't talk about biblical standards, the more I want to talk about biblical standards. Because the standard reflects the righteousness of God. So, like someone said to me, I was at a university studying, I have, it doesn't matter what, and they were telling me that you couldn't preach that you had to receive the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues just because they did in the Bible. This was at a major university, a religious college. I won't say where. It doesn't matter where it was. And they were teaching that you couldn't use what they called precedent in history. For example, the apostles spoke in tongues because they were trying to say that it doesn't matter if you speak in tongues. So what they were doing is saying, well, even though in the Bible they spoke in tongues, that's not proof you have to speak in tongues. Because that's just history. That's just what they did. Doesn't prove you have to. Now, they, they may have done it in the Bible. I said, well, if you embrace that kind of uh, logic in your theology, you'll get, you'll, you won't believe that anything matters in history. And when you're all done, you, it'll only be direct statements like, you cannot take drugs on Thursdays. 
Because the Bible would have to say Thursday. On Tuesday you could, but Thursday, it has to say Thursday. That's the way they're living. Oh, I want to tell you something, folks. When you love God, you're just saying, tell me about it, Jesus. Tell me about it. Hallelujah. I want your righteousness in me. Biblical standards, holiness, and modesty in dress. I'm making that a double uh, expression, both holiness. I know that modesty is a form of holiness. But holiness and modesty in dress and lifestyle. Not just the things you put on, but your entire lifestyle. And purity. Everybody say praise the Lord. It's okay. You can get quiet. I don't mind. All right. So a church. Let's go. Go to the next one here. A church that values Hollywood more than holiness cannot expect to see a move of God. We can't expect a move of God if all we do is hunger for Hollywood. But if we begin to hunger for the holiness of God, which is another way of saying, I hunger for the truth of God. I'm hunger, I hunger for God himself and his righteousness. That's why people are demanding another God. They want another God. They, they don't want the God that made this world. Just like in Noah's day. They're, they're out there clamoring for what they want instead of what God wants. Let me tell you something, my friend. We need to please God. It is important that we perfect the things that please God. Holiness demands that we value the purity of outward holiness and abandon the shamefulness of worldliness. We're in a culture that has now gone crazy in its attempt to outswear each other, outdo uh, someone else in the way they are living an ungodly life, immodesty and so on. All of this to promote a disobedient and sinful lifestyle. You can't have revival doing it. No church has ever done it in the history of the world. No church has ever had revival that cared not for righteousness. Revival comes because we give God the glory. Come on, let's clap our hands. Let's clap our hands one more time. But the church that values 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, the perfecting of holiness Everyone say perfecting. Everyone say perfecting. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Then that church can expect a genuine move of the Spirit and end time revival. And that is what we're praying for. We're asking the Lord to allow the presence of God to bring his spirit into our midst so that people will say, surely we have been in the presence of the Lord. That's our desire. Now let's go to Isaiah. And as and highway shall be there and away. And I told you there's not many of these. I'm not going into, I'm only going to look at a few. I'm not saying how many because then you'll count. And I don't want you to count them. I just want you to stay with me a few more minutes here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then highway shall be there. And away, Isaiah 35 and 8. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. 
Holiness was meant to be the highway on which the church journeyed. (laughs) And the most assured route to revival is most assuredly to stay on the highway of holiness. Can we clap our hands and tell God, I'm making a resolution this year in 2017. I never even thought we would get to 2017. Let's go to the next row. I got to act like I'm hurrying or I'm going to lose them. All right, so the, the... The resolution, the commitments that we make, we can determine in our soul, I'm going to do better at this. I'm going to to walk a little closer to the Lord. Anybody want to pray a little bit more? Anybody want to pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost? Make a commitment. Be resolved that it will happen. Resolution number two. Be prepared. Be ready to serve God in every way that he makes available to you. Can you say amen? So it is important. Now let's look at, uh, I believe the next, yes, let's go to Romans 1. Let's look at Romans 1. So as much as in me is, I like that. uh, I like that expression. So as much as in me is, it's a unique way to translate it, but it's, it's very interesting. As much as in me is, I am ready. Can you say that with me? I am ready. That's resolution. I am ready. I'm ready right now. I'm not waiting. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to come along or the preacher to shake my hand or make me happy. I'm ready to preach the gospel for... We're going to skip not over the next portion. I am not ashamed. Everyone say, I am not ashamed. See, that, that literally is saying, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I want to take too much liberty here. Don't worry about the Greek. Just, just say it calmly. I'm ready because I'm not ashamed. If you're ashamed, that's why you're not ready. If you are hesitant, that's why you're not ready. It's like uh, the, the, the minute you hear, okay, here we are. Is this, let's pretend this is the exact way you would uh, be on the track. All right? And so you're waiting. You're ready. You're, what are you ready? You're ready to go as soon as you hear the, the sound of the gun or whatever it is. You're ready to do what's necessary. Does anybody feel in your heart that it's time to get ready and be prepared because the Lord is coming? Everybody say praise the Lord. The Lord is coming. I'm I'm actually uh, quite amazed that we're, I I never thought we would see 2017. Of course, I've been saying that most of my life, but I'm serious. I've looked at this year and I've said, it looks to me like, okay, I wonder if we'll get into the Christmas season. That's that's the way I've lived my life. Folks, I want to tell you something. Now, I'm thrilled that I'm here. I love living. I love being alive. I love serving God. But we don't have long in this world. I am ready to preach the gospel because I'm not ashamed Because it's the power of God. And if you're ashamed of God's power, that's why you're not having revival. If you're ashamed of holiness, that's why you're not having revival. You've got to have the the readiness and the commitment of the spirit. Now, let's keep going because I know I need to hurry. Now, here's a a famous uh, 
postcard that I've drug up. And you can see at the bottom it has the famous expression. This, uh, this card didn't invent the expression, but it is the most famous expression. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the most famous, one of the most famous expressions of this, exp this little line at the bottom. I don't know if you can see it. I'll read it to you. He ain't heavy. Anybody ever heard that expression? Okay, that's a famous uh, it's famous in many, many ways, but this particular card represents uh, the, Nebraska, the Nebraska Boys Home and Boys Town, whatever it's called, and, and uh, this card made them famous. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not going to let myself get caught in the emotion of it. Um, so he says, he's not heavy, he's my brother. <laughs> you see, it's when... You love God and believe God and believe in what you're doing. That it's not hard to involve yourself in worship, in caring for others, and in helping to carry revival on your shoulders. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I'll tell you people that leave an altar without praying for people. People that don't love it. They don't love it. Now, I don't mean, I don't mean ever because there's times people I have to leave. I, have to, I don't mean that. I just mean people that just don't even think about the fact that someone's down there seeking God in an altar. This church, of course, is big on uh, the altars as important as where we're sitting right now, of course. But what I'm trying to tell you is that it is when you love it and you look at it it, with love that things begin to change. Now let's go to the next one. Now resolution number three. Everybody say praise the Lord. Because this is our, our final resolution that we're going to look at tonight. All right. Resolution number three is that we pray fervently for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost in these last days. If we would resolve to pray, does anybody believe that prayer makes a difference? See, far too many people are just praying little prayers. They don't really believe that something happens when you pray. And that's why nothing's happening. But when you pray and you believe God, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Listen to me. Cancer, you are no match for the praying saint of God. You are, God, you are able to heal every disease. Hallelujah. Yes, I said it. I'm going to say it again. I said it the day that I got my signed picture of our president. I, I spent hours working to make sure that uh, that when they got in, I wasn't able. I was supposed to go. I couldn't go. I said, I, I want a signed autograph of the of the president. And so they said, well, I don't know if we can do it because you got to go through this line, and then you get over this line, and the line keeps going around and around, and then you got to get this picture, and you got to carry it in, and then they got to pull the picture out, and then they got to sign, the president's got to sign it, then you got to put it back in, they got to take the glass out. They wouldn't let you take the glass in there where the president was. You had to take the glass out. So when President Obama, they walked up, I, just give, let me give you my version. They walked up and said, this is for, part of it's true and part of it's 
Just the Holy Ghost keeping me alive. <laughs> this is for my pastor, they said. And President Obama said, your pastor, is he here? No, he's not here. But he wants a signed copy. And so I brought these two. This one is for me. And this one is for my pastor. And so here's where the Holy Ghost picks up the story when I'm thinking really spiritual. Well, if this is for Pastor French, then here I go. And he just signs Obama. And so, of course, when you look at it, it looks like uh, you can't tell what that is. Some people said, that doesn't say Obama. And I said, yeah, that's Obama. That says Obama. Well, were you there? No, I wasn't there. But a very dear individual was there on my behalf. And I said that day and I say today, God can fill President Obama with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues just like he did me. I don't care what his faith is. The truth and the things of God could so affect him the same is true of any man, any woman, the Queen of England, the, the mayor of any town. Our God can do anything. And we need to quit limiting God. God is able. Hallelujah. He can also take the hardest heart and turn it into a mighty vessel before God. Can we just praise God? Maybe it'll be your grandson or daughter. Father, we thank you for the things that you're going to do in our life. Lord, we pray fervently for a mighty outpouring. It's our desire, Lord. Lord, that your work would be done in us and we give you praise and magnify your name. Now, let's continue. Now, I want to give you two themes for, uh, and we're going to look at this, of course, this final resolution to pray for a mighty outpouring. But I want to give you two themes. The first comes from 1 Chronicles 12.32. They will be themes that we will uh, come back to throughout 2017 as long as we're here. Now, if you come and we're nowhere to be found, and my car's out there, but we're gone, and Sister French is, uh, what are you driving, hon? Uh, I'm not laughing at it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been a long week, y'all. Let, let me start over. Honey, where, what is your beautiful car called? Um, is it a Montego? You'll trade? All right. Well, if you can get someone to trade. Um, so uh, you have a Montego, but what is the make of that car? Is it, it's a, is it a Mercury? Oh, it's a Mercury. All right. Yes. Now I've completely forgot why we're talking about cars. Do you know, hon, why we're talking about our cars? <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, that's, I, that's exactly right. Because if you come and there's a, Mercury sitting out there next to that black uh, uh, other car that's out there, which the church uh, got us this year, and I'm so very thankful for it, I'm, and I mean that sincerely. And we're nowhere to be found. And you spend all night, don't, don't worry about the detectives. I mean, you can call them and say, well, they're gone. We can't find them. And then if you start noticing about you know, big chunk of the rest of the church all gone. You need to start thinking, hey, where'd they go? Why are their cars here and they're gone? That's exactly what's going to happen, my friend. And I hope nobody's left. I hope none of you, I don't mean that. I don't know who's going to be left behind. I know one thing, I'm getting ready to leave this world. Hallelujah. I'm planning to make it. Praise God. 
So if we make it through this year, we're going to come back to these two themes once in a while. The first one is Second, uh, First Chronicles 12. The children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. Seems I remember Brother Ladder using this once in a lesson. Uh, he's got several books and things and speaking about men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. So our first theme is going to be understand the times. Can you say that with me? Understand the times. And so it is that we are committing ourselves like the children of Issachar to understand the times. That means we're going to pay attention to prophecy. There are some things I'm going to be teaching this year I have never taught before. In fact, in January, we're going to begin a, a brief series entitled America in Prophecy. I have never taught on this before. And I've pushed it back as long as I can push it back. I've pushed it into the new year. That's going to be one of the very first things. It will also be a theme that we need to understand the times. Can we just lift our hands and ask God to help us to be children of Issachar, understanding the times in which we live. Father, right now, I pray for every soul, every heart, every life, and ask God that the Spirit of the Lord will be with us and keep us, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Now, the second theme is from Philippians 2.15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And so our second theme will be shine as lights. Can you say that with me? Shine as lights. Folks, we're almost there. One more time. Let's say it. Shine as, as lights. Praise God. Don't let your light go out. Don't let, don't let your heart be troubled. All right, now, I'm calling on the church to believe with me for end-time revival like we've never witnessed it before. I'm, I'm sending out a call tonight on a Wednesday night before our New Year's service. And this will certainly require an unselfish commitment to the saving of lost souls. Unless we are unselfish in our commitment. Don't say, well, I would if, but I will do it no matter what the price is. I want to pay the price for revival. Would you stand with me? We're going to look at our last slide. They're going to bring it up. The price that must be paid to reach the lost. I am willing to pay the price that must be paid to reach the lost. We know what it takes to save them that was Calvary, but they must hear the preaching of the word, except they hear how can they be saved. They must hear the preaching of the word. So I'm calling on every saint of God to commit to whatever price that must be paid to reach for lost souls. If we will let love light the way, we can touch the lives of souls that the devil thought were already his forever. We can see the chains fall from their lives. Like Jesus, we can and must love people into the kingdom of God. Let's commit to that kind of love because love can do what nothing else can do. 
Could we lift our hearts and let's tell God, I want to make these kinds of resolutions in the coming year. Father, tonight, I thank you for your spirit. Thank you for what we feel. Thank you for your uh, desire that's in us tonight, Lord, to have revival. I pray that every step we take, Lord, that everything we do will be committed to you, O God. Lord, I thank you for every saying. I pray that you'll meet every need. Reach over and pray for somebody that's near you there. Let's pray for one another just for a minute before we get done here. We're we're just going to take a moment. Father, right now, I ask that you'll allow the Holy Ghost, the presence of God, let the Spirit of God come upon us right now. Lord, I pray for every need. Some Some have battle sickness and some are struggling lord they're wondering how they're going to make it i pray for them right now lord folks traveling and all the rest lord it's a beautiful time of year but we need you more than ever and we thank you lord we praise you for your wonderful touch lord let the word of god get a hold of us and i pray that we will make commitments like we've never made before that we'll be here lord ready for revival in this coming year, and we give you praise in Jesus' name.